Business Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo from superjoepardo.com. I'm joined by two fabulous guests, uh, guests, who my fabulous co-hosts, Jennifer Crawford of Sparent.co and Samantha Riley of SamanthaRiley.global. Sam, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you. Happy New Year, Joe and Jen. Yes. It's great to be here for a new year, 2022. It is. We made it. I don't well, know someone we actually to. said to me, it's like when you say it, it's like 2020 as well, like 2022. I'm like, no, 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 no. Take that away. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Jen, uh-huh. how are you doing? Did you have a great vacation, I hope? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing great. I feel like I have to share that I did come down with COVID for the first time oh, over no. Christmas, as well as several of our family members. Everybody's okay. It was, you know, three days, relatively minor, you know, mild symptoms, and I'm 100% fine now. But I was just so mad, after, you know, to get it after all this time of being careful. But this Omicron is no joke. It is mm-hmm. so And this was, you know, I've been triple vaxxed. So luckily, my symptoms were fairly mild, and they didn't last very long. But, but yeah, it kind of put a damper on the holidays, just a little bit. I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you. I bet. Yeah, that's. I mean, somebody I was just talking to, a friend of the show, Sue Allen Clayton, said that someone she knows. I don't want to give away who it was, but someone she knows like feels like they've been playing tag with the illness and then all of a sudden they got it but it's like two years after the fact you know and yeah. mm-hmm. but i mean mild symptoms are better than i mean and they, that person apparently had a, a bit of a rough patch with it but but not as rough as some other people that i personally know that are, are going through it as well as some people that i know that passed away recently from it so yeah there it's it's tough it's tough on all fronts absolutely it's- tough to avoid. I mean, just with the, you know, how transmissible this current variant is. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew we were taking a risk. Our family got together for the first Christmas since the beginning of COVID. We were indoors unmasked. And although the majority of us were vaccinated and boosted and nobody had any, you know, any, you know, symptoms, nobody was symptomatic. So we don't know who, you know, who, where it originated or with who, and it doesn't really matter. I was going to say, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. But yeah, you know, that's what happened. And I guess in the end, I'm really glad I got to see my family and spend time with them. And from what I've read, getting getting COVID after you've been vaccinated and boosted actually gives you a little extra bump in your immunity. And I'm hoping that that science plays out. So Mm. anyway. It is, it is what it is. I avoided it, you know, for a long time, but it finally got me. Yeah. Mm. I think just in Sydney, just about, just about everyone I know has COVID at the moment. And it's, um, yeah, it's just gone crazy. And it was interesting because Leon and I walked down to our local, our local restaurant last night to grab some dinner. And as we were walking past one of the cafes, there's a sign up saying that they're closed because all of their staff have COVID. And then when we were at the restaurant, they were on very limited staff. I think they only had two servers and normally they have like eight or nine 
on a Thursday night. So it's just, it's, uh, and we've got supply. I don't know about you guys, but supply chain issues. 50% of our, of our truck drivers in Sydney have got COVID. Most of our supermarkets can't get staff because they've got COVID. I think we're going to be living with it for a little while. And, and like you said, Jen, I hope we're getting to the point where the symptoms aren't as bad as what we saw at the beginning of the virus. Although Joe, it sounds like you know some people that have been quite ill from it, but luckily the people I know have actually been okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really a crapshoot, you know, of, of whether or not you're going to have really bad symptoms or if you have underlying things. I mean, it's the same thing we've been, you know, living with for the last two years. And it's just unfortunate that one of the people that we know that passed away, they chose not to get vaccinated you know, mm. on purpose. And yeah, it didn't play out too well for them. But but yeah, so going from where the restaurant <laughs> example of from yesterday, which really sucks. And there is tons of examples of supply chain issues up and down the our country. And, down, you know, now, I guess, down in, in Australia and the rest of the world, there is a bright spot that I wanted to point out that they've been running these commercials for a little while now. And what the is, is Domino's, right? So they made this decision to, and I'm clicking on links and they made this decision to buy up a hundred. And this was in November, but I, you know, I've been watching, seeing the commercials for a while and I forgot to bring it up before, but they bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of gift cards to local restaurants to give out with their pizzas because the delivery fees from these services like Uber Eats and DoorDash and all them have just, you know, they really take a big chunk of the profits almost to a leaching level that, you know, is detrimental to those businesses, especially at a time where costs are going up. And, you know, while one company like Chipotle has, you know, shown that like, hey, we can raise prices all we want and people aren't going to care whether or not, you know, they're paying an extra 50 cents or 20 cents or 30 cents, whether regardless of we have actual supply chain issues or not, or staffing issues or not, we're just going to raise the prices anyway, because everybody's just getting used to paying these expanded prices, you know, to see Domino's pay out a hundred grand is pretty cool. But the bigger thing here, especially because we are the business geeks, is that, you, you know, having a company, you know, do that and then utilizing it as part of their marketing budget to be able to push out a heartwarming message. Uh, to me, it, it's it's like a triple win for everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's mm-hmm. a win for the customers getting those those gift cards. It's a win for Domino's to be able to promote it. It's a win for the, the restaurants to get, you know, some extra cash and sell some gift cards leading into the holiday season. I guess it was leading into the holiday season. I'm not sure when they specifically did it. But, you know, I, I'm all for the win-win-win. Yeah, good on Domino's. Hey, that's great. God, I sounded really Australian then, didn't I? <laughs> As well, I came out, I was just like, wow, that was very Australian. <laughs> please please keep the Australian turned up to 11. Please. Yes. We, all, <laughs> we all, all love it. Well, Joe, and uh, did you catch that there's another nuance to this move by Domino's with these gift cards? Their business is actually being threatened or affected by these third-party delivery apps like DoorDash, Uber Eats. So they are trying to drive people away from those third-party apps by pointing out how high their fees are, as you mentioned. 
because they actually that's becoming a huge competitor to their own you know established delivery service so so they're kind of sticking it to the third party apps which I, I don't have a problem with i there are problems with those third party apps you know which we you already mentioned joe and it's still a triple win but also not completely altruistic, which is fine, which is fine. But I just thought that was an interesting nuance that it's, it was, you know, a very well planned and orchestrated strategy and not just a marketing level, but a long term strategy to help deflect whatever pain they're they've been experiencing financially from that competition. No, that's a great point. And I think that gets back to like a KPI thing versus like the ROI, you know, idea, right? Of like a great example of this is Kohl's, right? We, you, I don't think you have Kohl's down in Australia, Sam, but Kohl's, you know, enables you to take or do refunds for Amazon purchases in their store. So the whole idea is, is to get people like, cause they were having a, you know, it's, it's retail. So they're in a time where it's hard to get people to come out to your store. So they're like, Oh, great. We'll team up with Amazon. We'll do, we'll take care of the returns. We'll package them up. All you got to do is literally just show up with the thing and be like, here you go. Here's my, here's my thing. And you just send it on its way. And, and it's a free return opportunity. And then they even give you a coupon. Like usually it's like $5 off or. I think the other one was like 20% off or 25% off one item. The, but, uh, you know, the 25% off has a, a ton of, you know, ledger to it, uh, to what you can and can't buy. But the $5 can literally be used on, I believe, anything in, in the store. So, you know, it, it's an opportunity. And so they, when they flipped the script on like, let's, how do we get more people to buy from us versus like, how do we just get people in the store? Cause if they're at the store, they might buy something. And I tell you, I've increased my spending with Kohl's because of that, like returning things to Amazon and, and then getting five bucks and on the way out, Ooh, like, Ooh, I like that shirt or, Oh, uh, you know, I need to get this or that while I'm here. And it just creates an opportunity, a buying opportunity that literally would not have existed otherwise. And I real quick, I wanted to point out that this, isn't the first time Domino's has done something like this before. Do either of you remember when they were paving the roads? No, paving I never heard about pizza. this. So they, what they did was they, you know, they had like a whole commercial set series about, oh, you know, the bumps in the road, the potholes in the road are, are screwing up the pizza, right? The cheese is sliding around. It's going, everything's going crazy. The madness. We need to stop the madness. So what do we do? We're going to fill in the potholes. We're going to pay for the the asphalt to do it. We're going to get it done. And then we're going to stamp a Domino's logo on top of Mm. of that pothole patch. And so it's not the first time that they've done, you know, things like that. Uh, Domino's has come a long way because like there was a long time there where and, and they've admitted in their commercials where like Domino's was not people's favorite place to go to get pizza. You know, it was like the last place you would go. It is definitely on my list of last places to go to get pizza. So I like the pizza for what it is. I mean, we have, I mean, we have in Jersey, we have lots of pizza, great pizza places, obviously, but I like it for what it is. And I actually like their sandwiches and their, like their other things that they have aren't bad. I don't order from there, not even once a month because the kids don't like their pizza. Don't like their pizza. It's like too garlicky, garlicky for them. So we, you know, order from one of our local places here. But you know, I I don't mind it. I you know, it's it's okay. It's it's okay for what it is. It's not the best. I'm not taking Sam when she comes from Australia here. Like, hey, 
Yeah. I have some pizza for you. We're going to Domino's. Like, hey, nah, look, nah, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't be a company. I'm just saying it's not my preference for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that what they're doing is great. And I hear what you're saying, Jen, but at the same time, when we're in business, we have to make smart, strategic decisions to keep the business afloat. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm for it too. I have no problem with it. I just thought, I thought it was interesting that that, that is where some of that motivation came from, but I could see completely how, for the most part, everybody's winning here. Mm, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is. It is. So we have a question in the comments. And if you have a question, please feel free to drop it in the chat and we will, we will do our best to answer it. Now, I don't know if we're going to be able to answer this one that well, because I don't know that any of us have done in inventing, but a day with Jersey says, hi, Joe, just want to ask if I think of something to invent, how will I start? Because I'm not really sure about this invent help if I can trust them. Uh, there is a, was, yeah, there's invent, invent help. There's that other one that runs the commercials like all the time here. I don't know if it's just local to Jersey. Or maybe it is Invent Help. I don't actually. I don't recall. Do you know any uh, Sam? Or, no, or it's no. It's definitely not my. Not my um, cup of tea. I've never no. heard of Invent Help. Yeah. I'm sure so the, I, this is what I was thinking of because I've seen the so many commercials with like this logo mm. in it. Personally, I don't know anybody that's ever used it. I know a handful of, well, I actually know quite a few people now that have patents that have gone and got, you know, gone their own way to get patents. And I don't know that any of them have gone through invent help. I mean, for me, what like, cause like Melissa brings this up all the time, like especially, well, when we used to watch Shark Tank together, now I watch Shark Tank by myself, by myself <laughs> with, with all. With 3,000, you know, it was 4,000 or actually like 12,000 of my closest friends on YouTube <laughs> uh, for returning viewership. So, you know, the thing there is, is when you're trying to get started, like I would do my best to get a, you know, a prototype off the ground. Right. And then you could start to say, OK, well, is there something patentable here? What can I do? Like you can go. I would go to an, a patent attorney at that point. I don't know that I would use invent help, but I don't know anybody that has or, or hasn't. I'd be interested. Maybe we could crowdsource this with the super community and, and find out if anybody has used mm. invent help because I'm going to guess that if they've existed since 1984, according to their website. I mean, I remember these commercials from as from like even from a kid, you know, seeing them on like daytime television, like, you know, prices right and stuff like that during the day, daytime. It's, it can't be all that bad, right? But I always have my own suspicions as well. Like, oh, you, you know, you're giving up that idea. And then do I, how do I know that they're not going to go run off and, and find out if, if it's patentable? Now, I know somebody that works in the patent office in DC. Well, they live in Florida, but they work remotely to the, the patent office in DC. So if you have any questions, I could easily pass that along to a friend, you know, a good, my good friend who uh, is a patent attorney works in the, in the patent office, DC. And, you know, basic questions, obviously, I'm not going to like, here's the, you know, here's the drawing or whatever and, and use up tons of his time. But it is something that, you know, I could do if you want to reach out, it'd be, you know, go to my website, shoot me an email. That'd be, that'd be great. Superjoeparter.com. 
So yeah, so I, but I would start with the prototype. Depending on what you're, you're building, look, you could get yourself a 3D printer, though I don't know personally how to use them. You could find somebody to do it for you. There are places like sites and stuff that could help you. But again, if you're worried about somebody stealing your idea, that could be tough. It's not easy. And, and that's why we've ha- I've had these conversations with Melissa, my wife, many, many, many a times. She's like, oh, like we could do something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, great. So a patent's going to be a couple tens of thousands. And it's got to and, and you might not even get it, right? Like that might not be a thing that you, you're capable of patenting. And I've heard horror stories from my friend in the patent office, like, you know, with the lawyer, like, he's like, you know, this is not patentable. And they're like, maybe take another look at it, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, we are very clear. We've been going back and forth on this for six months. No, <laughs> like that's not a thing you can do. So it's a tough road. It's not easy to invent something for sure. But I don't know if either of you have something to pack on top of that. Yeah, I don't know any. I actually don't know anyone that's actually invented anything. It's different. It's not in my world. Mm. Yeah, not in my world. I mean, I guess my instinct would be, yeah, get that prototype, protect it, pitch your partner, right? Like, you know, you've got to get it in front of people and then you've got it. You most likely are going to need some sort of partner, I'm guessing, because there's just so much that involved in getting something to market, mm. um, invented. So yeah, I mean, I wish you all the luck in the world. Absolutely. I wish I knew your real name, A Day with Jersey, because I feel weird saying, hey, A Day with Jersey. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can be anonymous. That's your right. They, I wish they you have like the a, they have a blog, actually, uh, A Day with Jersey. Yeah, 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 Jersey is the name. I thought it was a day... Like in Jersey, like like New right. Jersey or Jersey in England or something, but no, it's uh, Jersey Jersey's is. the name. Oh, yeah. I remember that said. name. There we go. That's yeah, super, yeah that's right. Super clever then, and I apologize for being snarky about it. <laughs> good luck. To, good luck to you, Jersey. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's. It is tough. It is a long road. It is not simple. And let, I mean, let's see. Oh, it's the ba- yeah, it's the baby's vlog. Ah. So, good job, <laughs> I knew I knew it wasn't the person's name, but I knew it was something to that effect. Thanks, guys. Questions answered. We'll DM you one of these days. Thank you. You're so welcome. And please do. I, you know, on a side note here, I'm going to be hosting a pitch competition in February. I think it will be. And. So to do so, one of the things that came up was how do we go about protecting these ideas, right? For the entrepreneurs. Cause like if we do it live in a live stream, like, Ooh, cool live stream. Like you got the chat, you got the people, like things are going and that's awesome. But like then there's no way to prevent people from like just straight up stealing ideas. So I think that the way that I've come up with it is I think it's going to have to end up being like a series where we shoot like, you know, like behind closed doors, record it and then edit it so that we're protecting anything that like really needs to be protected so that the person isn't on the hook to like say too much by accident or because they want to win the pitch competition. So we're looking for sponsors and we're, we're I'll be putting out a whole thing for people to apply and all that in the coming weeks ish so yeah looking forward to that how exciting yeah fun i love watching pitches i just love it well on that i know 
just before Christmas, I brought up the Disney documentary, Own the Room. Did you guys ever go back and watch it? Not no, yet. it's on my list. Oh. Not yet. I, ha- <laughs> I, I do have it on my list. I'm going to get to it. It is very good. Mm. Did you oh, guys yeah. know? Oh, oh sorry. Go no, go no, ahead, Joe. Oh, well, I was just Did- going well, right. <laughs> to... Right, but real quick aside, real quick aside. On Christmas... Or no, on New Year's Eve, me and Ava, Ava stayed up till midnight. Dom fell asleep at like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. But we ended up watching in the, in the final hour leading up to New Year's Eve, the first of the Imagineers documentary that's on Disney Plus. Uh, so the first good. episode all about Disneyland. And Ava was like really, in, she wants to be like a creator. She says, inventor, creator. So for her, it, you know, she was just eating it up like, oh, and she's been to Disneyland once. So it was kind of really cool for her. So I'm sorry. That was an aside. Sam, go ahead. No, but I do love that, that series too. And because, you know, I love Disney as well and I'm a creative. And yes, I was like, Oh, I could do that. Not. It's very cool. But I was going to say, did you know that the world, like just only a couple of days ago, has had its first publicly traded company to ever be worth three trillion dollars? Yes, what? that is Apple. Apple. What is Apple? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is Apple? Like <laughs> For one hundred dollars. Yeah. It wow. Is. I mean, we were just talking about Apple the last week on the show, right? And we, you had mentioned that you you have friends that work there. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, so it, no, it is. It's incredible for a company. I think the the powerful thing there is is the company. While they do have some recurring products and they have, you know, some, you know, some streams, smaller streams of like app revenue and, and that kind of stuff coming in, you know, their, their physical products, it's not like they're selling them every day. Like, like yeah. a pack, like packs of gum are just going out by the, uh-huh. you know, by the pallets. So, yeah. They're selling lots and lots of MacBooks over the cross of the country or iPads and iPhones and things, but like, there's one launch day a year for an iPhone. Yeah. There's one launch day a year for an iPad, maybe two, depending on how they break it up, MacBooks and things like that. So, so it's like, I think that's, it goes to show the power of like, you don't necessarily have to have that super high volume across the whole year. Like again, like the pack of gum example or thing that's like constantly just, you know, we're that just you're buying every single day. Di- yeah. 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 Incredible. Um, uh, Al brings up, hello, I am an inventor. Good to see you, Al, in the chat. Once I got my prototype done, I didn't have the money to get an attorney to do my patent work, so I did it myself. I was granted a design patent, and it only took 11 months. Love yeah, it. it, it well that done. Is, I mean, that's determination because it's 11 months is a long time to be sitting on something nervously, hoping that nobody else, you know, swoops in or somebody else was coming up with the idea and you know, it's a long period of time, but yeah, I mean, look, you can start an LLC. You don't have to go to an attorney to start an LLC or, or anything like that, right? Like you can do it yourself, but there's, I mean, there's a reason to pay for it, but, but you know, patent attorneys are not cheap and aren't a magic bullet to make sure that it actually happens either. So that there's that. And, and a day with Jersey said, thank you for the info Al. Yeah. So speaking of kitchens, which again, if anybody has any questions, throw them in the chat. But going back to the whole Domino's kitchen thing, Jen, you brought up uh, this article. So if you would like to take the floor here. Well, I brought it up because I had not heard of this term of cloud kitchen. 
It's it's a new industry. Have either of you heard of? Yeah, I, I have not. Yep, I have not. Well, once you once you hear about this, you're you're going to probably have the same reaction I did, which was, oh, this makes a lot of sense. So these are kitchens that are designed to cook and prepare food for delivery only. So there is no seating in these. You know, they're not restaurants, but they're cooking restaurant style meals. And so this is a business model that is has gained steam, you know, certainly because of the pandemic, people aren't eating out as much. But yet people are there is still that demand for good, convenient food made by something somebody other than myself. So so yeah, so this article just talks about how the cloud kitchens are, are popping up and sort of the, the, the pros of the cloud kitchen in terms of low startup costs, you know, they're, they're more efficient, the menus are more flexible, there's more freedom for chefs to experiment and get, you know, kind of change up the menu. Also, you can you kind of have your own digitalized means to capture data from your customers and build on that relationship. Uh, It's easy to market. There's some disadvantages as well. You know, obviously, there's just, you know, a lot of competition out there with, you know, and the delivery apps are expensive. And there's just, you know, the restaurant industry is just a fiercely competitive and low margin business anyway. So it's not a, a magic bullet for somebody who wants to get into that space. But I found it's really interesting when you see these new business models develop as our culture and is changing and our world is changing and how businesses adapt with it. I just, I found that just really fascinating that this is now a How does it work over there in the US in regards to getting like be registered to cook food because in Australia, and I don't know if it's the same, but in Australia, you can't just cook food in your kitchen and sell it. You have to, you have to get, you know, food licenses and, you know, you have to be, the local council has to come out and make sure that everything's sanitary because that's my first thought is how do I know if that kitchen's safe? We're in a restaurant. Well, you don't know. You don't know if a restaurant is either, but at least, you know, there's, there's regulations completely legitimate concern but in the US we have the same the same standards and you know inspections that need you know are similar you know inspections need to happen i don't necessarily although this picture looks like it's in somebody's this is, home this is a terrible example this is not I don't think the cloud most of kitchen, them are kitchen. oh okay because to is, me, I horrible. just saw that and automatically thought, oh, yep. so this person's just popping into their kitchen to make a couple yeah. of meals? No, I not don't like think that? It's, it's, yeah, it's no. not that simple. I think these are, you know, they're commercial spaces, but they're just, you know, they're not built out the way you would a restaurant kitchen that might be seen or, you know, have a lot of people working in them. So they're a little bit scaled down, but they are commercial, uh-huh. um, but less expensive because of the type of use use that they're they're being uh, used for so anyway uh, super crazy cool mm. so this yeah. this launched maybe about six months ago actually no it's longer than that i think it was last i think it was the end of 2020 that this launched uh so mr beast if you don't i mean if you watch any youtube at all mr beast is like what like the biggest if you know 
consistent viral video creator on the platform. And what he did was he created Mr. Beast Burger using ghost kitchens, which is I've never heard the term cloud kitchen before. Cloud or ghost, yeah. Ghost yeah. is what they were calling it when he did it. But when he launched, I think he was like something like 300 restaurants across the country and it was built the app had built-in delivery service and all that so i was like i actually made a video on this because i wanted to do a review and like you know make something of it because and then ultimately i had to call customer. ultimately i had to call customer service oh hang on no really (laughs) i never got my burger i spent like 60 (laughs) dollars and it never showed up and then the app just kept pushing back the delivery time. Oh, like that, like by days, like days and oh. days went by. Yeah. No, it was not a good experience at all. So I, my, my review and like I was hoping to have a review like that day that it launched. It was like 50, it was like almost 15 days later because. I never actually got the food and it took that long wow. to resolve because there was no one to call when you call. Well, when you called, you got like basically a looping system that said, Oh, did you, did you use Postmates? Did you use this company, this company? And no matter who I talked to, I even called the restaurant. So the, the restaurants they were using was Carabas. They use restaurants across, like all across the country and a bunch of, di- you know, a bunch of different ones and at the time. Carabas, they had like basically wherever there was a, a Carabas location, that's where Mr. Beast Burger was. And if you go to these places, they actually have a pickup like spot for like in front of the building for Mr. Beast Burger, like for like people to run out and drop off the food. So yeah, so I was super disappointed when I ordered it because it pushed. I'll tell you why it didn't come. The reason it didn't come was because when I ordered it, it ordered it from Pennsylvania because that was the closest place to me. <laughs> but there's a $5 bridge toll between me and there and, you know, a pretty sizable amount of highway distance. And so when I called the restaurant, I talked to somebody they're like, yeah, we made your food and it got picked up. I guess the person, you know, I said, I guess the person just ate it. And like, cause I, when I tipped, I didn't realize where I was ordering it from. I didn't, I just was like, oh, like, here's a basic tip. Like, I wasn't factoring in, like, they're going to, it's going to cost them $5 just to do the toll over the bridge, you know, and that kind of stuff. So they weren't, they, I don't blame them for not willing to pick it up, but, at, you know, win some, lose some. So anyway, it took me that long to be able to get my video out to talk about it. And eventually I was refunded, but it took, I had to like tweet at the Mr. Beast Burger support <laughs> Twitter handle for them to like actually do something about it. Otherwise it just would have never happened. So I've never actually got to have my miss. Thanks, Siri. Appreciate it. <laughs> the, uh, I never actually got to have my Mr. Beast Burger, but it's a really, it is a neat concept. And they, you know, it was huge when he rolled it out. Like everyone, everyone was like, how did you come up with 300 locations overnight? Like that, like that's, you know, nobody does that. That's not a thing, you know? Mm, So mm -hmm. he was able to do it. And apparently the food's really good. And to promote this, what he did was he actually opened up the first ever world's first Mr. Beast burger, where I guess they took like an abandoned or, or shuttered fast food restaurant, turned it into a Mr. Beast burger for the video and gave out free Mr. Beast burgers along with free MacBooks, free what like you know stacks of cash in the bags and and all that kind of stuff like yeah because there was the line the line was backed up for like two like a mile mile and a half two miles something like that crazy people trying to get there and he he did zero promotion he just literally put up the sign like they put they put up like you know tarped it so that nobody could see what it was they undid it and then all of a sudden everybody you know these people started showing up and lining up 
for for like a mile plus. It's crazy, wow. crazy, crazy, crazy. So that's you know, go, <laughs> ghost kitchens. Though it's cool, but you know, I, and I'm I'm gonna guess it's probably better now. I know there's one in Cherry Hill now, like so, and and Sicklerville. So like, if I wanted it, I don't know. I don't know if the app would still point me to the Pennsylvania one that's over the bridge versus one that's closer, like not over the yeah. bridge to me. That's but issue there. I want to get it at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it. So that's that's one example Crazy. of a ghost kitchen. <laughs> cool. There was this story that uh, Jen wanted to bring up. And I only I mean, I know some of what the story is. Do you want to do you want to take it over there, Jen? Well, sure, Joe. You can hand me this baton, and I'll muddle my way through. So, probably a lot of you are familiar with Elizabeth Holmes. She was the CEO of Theranos. Theranos has has been in the news for all the wrong reasons, and she her trial. took place recently, and she was found guilty on a a number of counts. What I thought was interesting about this this particular article is they really, they were speaking specifically to how this might affect startup culture, because a a lot, you know, Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth did a lot of things wrong, but one thing she did and got vilified for, part of the things she got vilified for was sort of this hyperbolic presentation of what her company's numbers were, what the the capabilities were, kind of skirting that line or blurring the line between what was reality and what was planned kind of thing. And this article was actually fairly sympathetic to her in the sense that she, that they're like, look, every startup does this. They they fudge the numbers. They're trying to get investor money. They put on, you know, best case scenarios. They bolster what they're capable of in order to get that investor money coming in. And so is it a lie or is it just, hey, this is what our plan is. This is what we're planning to do and a way to spin it in, so that those investor dollars come in fast and furiously. So... I guess the question is, will this change how startups talk about their futures with and their products and their, with their potential investors so that they don't find themselves in a situation where they're deceitful and... Joe's, got a, Joe's got a tick. He's, he no. needs to speak here. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm basically just regurgitating the article so you can... Um, <laughs> Go right ahead, Joe. Not even, n- not even a smidge. And the reason is, is because okay. the people that are investing on that level want that magic bullet, right? They're investing mm-hmm. in big power plays that either are going to go to zero or going to go to the moon and back, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. So was she, you know, misleading? Uh, from, yes. from my understanding, absolutely, hundred percent. It wasn't. E- it's not even close. It's not even mm-hmm. not even remotely close. It's not like oh, we're doing this today so we can get the business model going and we get, we're building these relationships and all this stuff. And the, and the hope is that in you know five to ten years this will work. No, it was this will work now. And my big takeaway for this is, you know, a good friend of ours of the show, Larry Roberts, did this whole and I think somebody else had talked about it as well before. Coined the term. Comparanoia. And 
we as entrepreneurs, you know, get that all the time. And you look, you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm busting my butt every day. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm trying to make it work. I'm grinding it out, you know, and, and then here you have somebody like Elizabeth Holmes, who's like getting to share a stage with like past presidents and like getting, oh, this the next most important person on the planet, blah, 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 blah. Like, you can't don't do it because you know what? It probably is a bunch of BS in most cases. It probably will be. And real quick before I give the stage over to you, Sam, I wanted to point out this, this story. I just happened to watch this happened to be like the next up video that I was, I was watching something and this was the next video that popped up. And that video is the, the video is called I ran a $500,000 Ponzi scheme at 19 fakes, frauds and scammers. And it's a vice video. And this guy, this kid actually ended up going to jail for three years because, uh, you know, based on around the, the hype of being a young 18, 19, 20, 21 year old or eight, I don't know if he even got to 21 and throwing these crazy parties, you know, booking all these big Fire people. Festival. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So, along, yeah, he, yeah, but he didn't starve people, to, to, you know, <laughs> along the way. But point being is, is that, you know, the, the thing was sinking. The, the shows were bombing. They weren't doing the money they were supposed to do. And even though it's like, oh, we're only supposed like if one out of five, you know, one out of five shows hit, we're all good. Everything's cool. Well, they weren't having any shows, you know, hit. And, and that started this thing where they just kept borrowing more money borrowing more money borrowing more money to give these and you know people and you know he frames it as you know i was young i was dumb i made mistakes and and we were just you know we weren't trying we weren't setting out to create a ponzi screen scheme it just we just kept digging a hole that got bigger and deep bigger and bigger mm. and the only way to, to keep it going was get more investor money to pay back you know pay out because we weren't creating the the wins that we, you know, the hits that we needed to do it. So um, I, I sympathize like a little more with him than Theranos. Well, I think they've both there. been in the same position, right? Because what they've done is they've started off with this idea and all of a sudden they have, you know, done one or two things to move ahead and then they're just constantly trying to cover up the next thing or, you know, trying to get the next thing. And I think it's, I do think it's the same, Joe, because, all of a sudden they've got in so deep and they're like, oh, I just need to get the next thing done to be able to move forward. So, hmm, yeah, I think it is. But the other thing is that in regards to the investors and what you were saying, Joe, people love confidence and that's what she had and obviously that's what, you know, the other had. So where this gets tricky, like where's the line between confidence and just straight out, I don't even know what that is. I haven't got a word fraud. for it. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a difference well, between stretching the truth about, and just like fraud. and fraud. I, there's definitely mm-hmm. a difference there, right? Well, I think mm-hmm. what they're saying is that in the startup culture, like there is, it's so encouraged and accepted that these these numbers and these the you know these plans are going to be so inflated that there's so much acceptance that now we we are seeing more fraud and and Elizabeth Holmes may be an extreme case, but we've got Adam Newman at WeWork. We've, mm. you know, we've got this guy that you just, that you just said. I mean, these are people that have squandered quite a bit of investor money. And I don't care if you're SoftBank, 
even SoftBank, you know, your pockets are not limitless. They lost a lot of money with WeWork and a lot of other investments, actually. So, so I don't know. I don't know if it's going to change culture, but I know that I don't want to go to court for my, <laughs> you know, for my yeah. startup. I would rather maybe be a little more truthful and and you know protect myself and my business. And I don't know. I think it that culture is startup culture is, has gotten a really I don't know toxic. Well, I think so too, Jen. And I think that there's so much glory in it now of how much money I've raised. And mm-hmm. to me, I've, I've always been a bit weird about this, that people raise all this money and then they pay themselves. And that for a lot of startups, it's like we started this company and then, you know, I, I paid myself, you know, $100,000 a year. And then all of a sudden we had no money. I'm like, this to me makes no sense whatsoever. I just don't understand it. And I feel like it's almost like they're spending their time on how do we get investors rather than how do we get our business to work? Absolutely. How do, yeah, not focusing on business fundamentals, profit. Mm-hmm. They just think, oh, I'll just get more free money. It, it's, yeah. I, I've been fascinated by that for years. And don't, yep. as a business person, I just don't understand it. Years ago, Thor was hired at a startup. He was like the the seventh person. And this is a startup that got a lot of positive press, a lot of momentum. This is during like the whole internet bubble. Literally, people were dying to write checks to, you know, tech companies. So they got tons of investor money. They had a great idea. Great idea. Um, It was in the educational space. So the Thor was like all about it. He really loved like what they were doing. But he also was privy to the real numbers, not the numbers they were sharing with their investors. And they were telling investors they had X number of, you know, know, tens of thousands of subscribers when they had like maybe a hundred subscribers. I mean, just just, anyway, the, the CEO was indicted. They crashed and burned big time because, again, he misappropriated investor funds, he lied to investors. So they were on the nightly news, Ted Koppel, again, for all the wrong reasons in the end. So this has been going on a long time. This is not like something that's, you know, today. I mean, the Theranos story is just so fascinating on so many I mean, levels. if you didn't know that it was real, you would think it was a movie, right? Absolutely. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is real? Really? Yeah. yeah, it's just insane that it got to what it did. I can't believe that it got to what it did and that people actually believed it. Yes. She was very well connected, which helped a lot. Mm. And I, I don't know. My guess is I, I'm not sure. I, I think she's probably dealing with some mental illness. And I, if that's the case, I really hope she gets mm. is getting the help that she needs. But yeah, I think that combination of like insane confidence and connections. And people wanted to believe it. I mean, her... If what she was putting out in the world was actually true, like oh, who would absolutely you know, not a diagnostic, you know, method that you know you were you eat one sample of blood and you could tell that would be the only test you would need. I mean, it was an, you know, we all very, wanted to believe that, right? We actually all wanted to believe it. <laughs> yeah, of course, the world needs something like that. Uh-huh. But- she wasn't yeah. the one to bring it to us. No, mm. she was not. It, it reminds me, have either of you seen the the Wizard of Lies, the TV mm. movie with uh, Robert De Niro talking about no. Ed, oh. Matt, Bernie Madoff? Yeah, you should watch that. Was, oh, there you go. That's that another really one. Good. Yeah. There's another one, too, with Richard Dreyfuss. 
playing Bernie Madoff. I think I've watched both of them. I'm pretty sure I've watched both of them. But yeah, it just goes to show like, you know, anybody, you know, is going to do what they got to do to appear bigger than they actually are. And, and hang on, I'm going to, I'm just going to correct one thing. Not anybody. I'm not going to say anybody because I think I could not see any of us doing that. I could not see (laughs) any of us doing it because it goes against our values. I could see how some people could do it. Thank you, Sam. I would mm. say a lot of people that you're watching online, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, are not afraid to do are not afraid to do it. And and I yeah. and thank you for correcting me, Sam. I I do appreciate that. Um, yeah. So it's it it's horrible. And but I, like I said, I don't think it's going to change startup culture much. You know, it might give somebody a second thought of like, ooh, should we really be like gaming these numbers to that level to make it look like that uh because that that is you know gaming how many people you have as subscribers and things like that is not it's not good is well you know who's fueling this is actually the investors because what's happening is it's you're you're being i can't think of the word like reprimanded i guess is not the right word but you know when you're telling the truth you miss out you could be in exactly the same boat as all the other people that you're competitive with, but if you're the only one that's telling the truth and you're missing out, then, then you know, it's the investors that are fueling it. Yeah. I can give, I can mm. give a baseball example that we had a, a baseball player here who was a pitcher uh, who was uh, using steroids, and he was a very much on-the-bubble player. And he beat out another guy, and it, anyway, this came out years after the fact that, like, he beat out that other guy who wasn't using steroids, and that guy wrote, a t- you know, you know, thanks for, you know, basically bumping me off when you you were cheating. Like, I I lost my position on a team because mm. you cheated. So like mm. that, that affected my livelihood and my opportunity to make it to the you know to the big game, you know, the big leagues. Mm. Mm. And and that kind of thing. I also want to point out. So I, I was I was interviewed a little while back for uh, for a, a newspaper or a press paper in Europe, uh, talking about the glorification of of startup money. And you know, it's really not all it's meant up to be because you really are becoming your own. You're going from being the boss to the employee, even if it's just one percent, five percent, any amount of money that you're taking on as an invest, uh, you know, from investors is is money that has to be repaid and taken care of, not just sent frivolously in any kind of way. So really, like it, the pressure and the dial, you know, the dial, the pressure meter should be dialed up as you take on that money, not the other way around. And I know mm. specifically this comment came up literally like yesterday or the day before because our a good friend of the show. Uh, Larry Roberts uh, had a really big rant against one of the Shark Tank episode entrepreneurs that was on the show about, you know, like, oh, they were talking about, like, oh, yeah, we burned through like $1.3 million and, and, and uh, you know, we're going to get there and all that. And it's, it's apparently I'm breaking, uh, my audio is breaking up. Yeah. Am I, am I, I was actually sitting here wondering if it was my, no, my computer. <laughs> no, it is. I hear your audio, but your video is blurry. Oh, weird. Um, I don't know. I'm going to run a speed test. I don't know if it's, oh, wow. I don't know what, I, mean, I don't know what's going on all of a sudden. It must be something because I'm, I'm looking at my, yeah, my my internet speed's right, but 
my connection to here is not good. Uh, tell you what, why don't you take over, Jen? <laughs> I'll be right back. That's such a responsibility, Joe. Okay, let me see what we haven't talked about that might be interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we'll just stay on theme. Okay, are you okay with that, Sam? Yep, let's do okay. that. You'll see what I mean. This article, Joe pulled, delivery driver slams tip baiting, but customers defend the practice. So this is, you know, the theme is third-party delivery apps, I suppose. Food delivery. Oh, you're back, back, Joe. Okay, I stayed on theme, I, but I was under the gun, and I did the best That's I could okay. do. And then- you did awesome. You did awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so glad you're back, Joe. Hopefully, so- hopefully I'm not. Hopefully I'm not. No, all perfect now. now. Oh, I don't know why we're seeing cats. It doesn't seem appropriate. But yeah, I love right? It. I love it. <laughs> oh, they're not even cats. It's like little, um, what do you call it? That's a warthog. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. All it's missing is a gassy warthog. Oh, it's, uh, okay, that's yeah. Cute. It does look like a lemur. Looks like a baby lemur. Yeah. I, it, yeah. All it's right. a meerkat. It's a meerkat. Oh, meerkat. Yeah, meerkat. <laughs> Thanks to your post. That has lots to do with it, <laughs> I, like, so, I know, New York Post. Not, maybe not the best source. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, do you guys know what tip baiting is? This was no, like, I didn't know that this was term. a thing. Like that okay, you could so tip do something like when, that. So I don't please. do this. I've never, I would never do this. You order food and you want to make sure the food comes to you and that you're prioritized among the deliveries. So you enter a very generous tip. However, apparently in these apps, you have the opportunity to adjust that tip upon delivery. So then they get the food, thank you very much, and then they lower it down to whatever, like a, a normal tip or a less than normal tip. And delivery drivers are understandably upset mm. because, again, they, they feel like they're just, that's a carrot at the end of the stick. They're expecting a tip. They might take deliveries that are out of their way or inconvenient um, with the understanding that they would be compensated by this tip. And then the customer lowers the tip customers and the platform say, hey, we should have the right to adjust the tips based on the quality of the service. <sighs> not very nice. Not very nice. No. Nice I mean, to, to yeah. me, it seems like a, a somewhat easy problem to fix. You just don't allow them to adjust down past a certain percentage. Mm. You know, you just limit, you just hard limit. Like, okay, cool. You want to give a $20 tip? Well, if you do that, you can only adjust it by 15% or something, you know, down, uh, up or down, or maybe up as much as you want, but down, you know, down by 15%. So then at least you, you know, the person delivering the food knows like, okay, I'm, I'm going to receive a, a bare minimum this tip. I mean, it is inflating mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and kind of, it's all kind of silly still, but I know. yeah, it's still not for the drivers, obviously, but for the, it's just the concept. It's all kind of, a, you know, a game being played here that is, is kind of silly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not very nice. fair. No, it's not very no, nice. it's super no. easy to, like I said, I think it's super easy to fix. You just, you just let people know, like, hey, you're not going to be able to adjust this down. Like, are you sure? Because you can adjust it down, but you're only going to be able to go down. Maybe it's 20% down from whatever it is. I don't know, but, mm. but it does, it'll start curtailing that real fast. Mm. Yeah. Did somebody have something to say about it? Mm. No, I mean, just a you know, sign of the times, I guess. Mm. I, 
I mean, why? Just, just be nice. Why, yeah. why, why are we being so crappy? That's a, that's a great question. I did have one cool thing to talk about this week before we, we run out of time here. And it's not the thing I talked about. <laughs> I brought up before we right before we started recording here. I'll, we'll save that for another day when we have more time to, <laughs> to rant about the sign of the times. But my one cool thing is this is this kettle. I did so I personally don't like using the Keurig. Like we have a Keurig machine, and I don't like making tea from that Keurig machine because the coffee grinds inevitably are always in it. And I don't like getting those coffee grinds in my tea. Did you call customer service? <laughs> There's a couple of customer service things I can, oh I can tell God. you about. Oh. The fact that you even hesitated, I, uh, Joe, I, actually I, just... Oh, God. I, I, <laughs> my head's in my hands. Can we schedule an intervention? No, no, no. no. I, I, <laughs> I will actually come there for that intervention. Oh, I, you know what? Let's have the intervention then. So... <laughs> So this, this, so I went on a search to find out like, how can I make tea without like putting it in the microwave or, you know, like the water in the microwave to heat it up or like boiling it or whatever, you know, all that stuff. So I didn't realize that electric kettles are a thing. Never heard of it in my life. So I went on a search. It took, actually took almost an hour to find the right electric kettle because, you know, I started reading reviews. People were like, oh, what, there's plastic touching my water. And, and I started thinking like, hmm, that's a good point. I don't know that I would want, you know, for the amount of tea that I would drink, like one to maybe three cups a day, you know, I don't want to be ingesting that much hot plastic in the, into my drink either. So it, it was actually very hard to find one that worked that didn't have any plastic touching the water. And this is the one that I found, $32, which is which is a great price. I'm very, you know, happy happy with it. But what I'm most impressed with and what got me to the point where I was like, yeah, I showed Melissa like literally as soon as I put like turn it on, the water starts bubbling. Within like oh. 10 seconds, 15 seconds, the water starts bubbling in it. And, you know, it's it's boiling within like two to three minutes. And I'm like, wow, like we should stop boiling. Every time I make pasta, which is, you know, often here with between mac and cheese and pasta in the Italian household, you know, we should not. We should just be using this not to make the pasta in it, obviously, but boil the water, dump it in the pot. Turn the stove, you know, the stove on. And instead of taking 15, 20 minutes to boil a small pot of water, this thing's doing it in seconds, you know, virtually. So this is my thing for 30 bucks, all stainless steel and glass. They're the only pieces of plastic that potentially could touch is like right up around this, like right around the mechanism to flip the top open. And it even comes with this cute little cleaning wand. Well, that's what I thought was going to be your when you said you know the best part about it. I thought it was going to be the the flower cleaning one. No, yeah. no, not when, when we open this up, Joe. Uh, jo, oh my goodness, Leon, my husband actually said, "What is the flower for?" <laughs> <laughs> it's it, you know it uses so much like ele- less electricity, can boil so much water, auto shut off, and just so it's just awesome for thirty bucks. Like totally awesome. Totally off. Well, I've got to say, when I opened this up, I actually started laughing because I only found out and a reputable source I found out on TikTok only in the last few weeks that electric kettles weren't a thing in the US. 
every Australian household has had them since the 80s. What? So, we have one at our house. We have one. Yeah, so I just I didn't realize that it wasn't a like a wide a widely used thing though that you know because every Australian household has them my kids at dancing used to make their pasta in it every Saturday at dancing by boiling the kettle exactly like oh, wow. that's how they made their lunches every Saturday Clever. You know, 30 years ago <laughs> so, <laughs> you can boil an egg in one <laughs> that's, a, oh, that's a, I'm gonna tell Melissa she loves I mean I like boiled eggs too but she likes egg salad and things like that way more than I do and do it in the electric kettle yeah wow I mean that's it yeah it says the electric boiler heats up in five to seven minutes faster than a microwave and it, and it is it's it's incredible like I am this should not be a thing that I'm excited about but and all non-plastic, very virtually inexpensive, 32 bucks. And it's going to save us a ton of electricity because our stove is on, is all electric and it's on a lot, like very often just to boil water for one reason or another. Oh. So yay, eco-friendly. Yeah. Yay for electric, <laughs> electric kettles. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Good for you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I am proud of myself for <laughs> with your boy. I didn't even know it was a thing. I was just trying to find like how do you what's the other way to do like because Melissa's like, oh, we'll just get a kettle. And I was like, Yeah, that takes forever. I'm never going to use that. Like never. I mean, never, never. I'm never gonna make tea using a kettle. Like that's not gonna happen. It just takes too long. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to 2022. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also known as 1990. Yes. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. Well, I think that that pretty much wraps it up for, for this week of the Business Geeks podcast. It, we are sponsored by yourpodcastconcierge.com. Shout out to Leon for editing these podcast episodes for us and yeah. getting them up. If you haven't checked it out, check out the show on the podcast. If you go to businessgeekspodcast.com, we'll be back next Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Friday, 8 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. I got it right. And uh, I hope you all have an amazing week. Happy New Year. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.